0: You're
1: listening
2: to the voice. a Welcome in Welcome
1: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Voice Radio Show and thanks for being with us today. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Lucia Battistella will be your host for today, alongside Nicholas, who you know well. Hi Nicholas, how are you today?
3: Heils here, pretty fun, and you?
1: I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm being productive these days, I can't complain.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's really good, now we have plenty of time, so...
1: Yeah, that's good. We have a lot of time to dedicate to ourselves and to those we we love, so it's good.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: Today we'll be talking about a very specific topic, which is etymology and uh, how it can be useful nowadays and in everyday life and how it could still play a meaningful role today and as usual the debate will be undercut by some songs and the genre of today is country and we've selected some old-fashioned uh nashville-like tracks and um so let's open the dances with um a little bit slow to catch on by dolly parton enjoy
4: slow to catch on When I do, I'm caught on A little bit slow to move on But your baby is moving on, on Your baby is moving on Well, I couldn't see the light for the brightness Of the sweet little smile you gave me I couldn't see how you weren't cheating on me But finally I'm a-catching on, on Finally I'm a-catching on I'm a little bit slow to catch on, when I do I'm caught on A little bit slow to move on, but your babies are moving on On, your babies are moving on see the hurt for the happy and at first that's the way you made me it took me a while to get your style but finally i'm a catching on, on finally i'm a catching on i'm a little bit slow to catch on when i do i'm caught. say you can't see the light for the darkness that surrounds you since I'm gone You can't eat or sleep cause you're lonely Well, finally you're catching on, on Finally you're catching on I'm a little bit slow to catch on When I do, I'm caught on Slow to catch on when I do I'm caught on. A little bit slow to move on, but your baby is a moving on, on your baby is a moving on.
1: That was a little bit slow to catch on by Dolly Parton. As you may know, The Voice is the K-11 publication for the international student community. And you can find us on the webpage, thevoiceloven.be. On Facebook, the page is called the Voice International Student publication on Instagram at the voice student magazine on Mixcloud on Spotify. um, And you can find us um, by searching the voice on radio. And in the Quiver app, you can find articles. Let's have a look at uh, the current articles. Nicholas, what do you got?
3: Alright, so we have quite a lot of articles nowadays. I think that people tend to have a little bit more time with all these online classes. I'm sure that many are not going to the classes just for writing articles for the voice. Right now we have some articles, I'll give a little overview of some of them. So first of all, we have a translation into English of K. Leuven exam period from Vito. So it's a little analysis on the possible scenarios in case the physical exams at K. Leuven will not be an option. So we know that right now we're in the middle of nowhere with what will happen with exams. So we received an email last week, if I'm not mistaken, saying that okay, our exams will be just one week longer but then we received another email from the director saying that they have to think about it again so we are not sure about it yet but you will see it on our website and all that if we have like any updates on the topic And secondly we have as well an article on discovering open box there is a platform of articles videos and ideas about arts and culture and you can check as well the radio show from last friday the 27th if you missed it a show by philip that he had some people behind this open box talking and giving some ideas on what to do during this quarantine. So it's really interesting. We have as well low budget carbonara. So for all of our listeners that have been following us since last year, we used to have like a lot of recipes from different kind of easy food that you can prepare at home and more nowadays that we really want to cook and not just to order things because of course it is more expensive. And well, here there is a recipe There is. Always handy. And, and I, and well, for our listeners, you can find as well some other recipes, but you have to dig deeper into the website because our from first year, are some of our first articles from last year in The Voice. And well, as well, upcoming recipes will be available. And we have another one there is a history of extra- extractivism in the Amazonian Ecuador, that is for this series that we have in Latin America. And it's an interesting article about the process of extracting natural resources from Earth and to sell them in Ecuador. And it has raised a lot of political and economical problems. So this article by Stephanie, there is an Ecuadorian on team, touches some of these topics and explains the controversies behind all of this extractivism and how it has impacted society and indigenous communities, for instance. And, well, we have two more articles. One is on the effects of COVID-19 all across the world. So this is like a, a subsection per se that we have some articles from different countries. So we know what is going on in the Netherlands, in Spain, in Italy, in the Indonesia, and we'll be having every week, new articles and new places, which is really good so that you are updated with what is going on in the world. And well, we have uh, an article that Philip had been talking a lot about, but now, now it's here, that is why do we dream? So it's a little glimpse on how and why we dream in terms of neuroscience. So if I'm not mistaken, he, he took some inspiration from this show, he talked about two weeks ago, like Vox. So if you are on Netflix or YouTube, you can try to look for Vox and you'll find kind of these nice videos about dreams, life, love, many things from a more scientific point of view. And well, those are like the different articles that we have right now on the website and we'll have some upcoming articles likewise. So if you want to join the team, just look for us, send us a message and we'll be happy to welcome you in the team. We all know that we have now this section on what is going on in Leuven. So we've wanted to move a little bit um, aside of the coronavirus crisis. We all know that it's important. So we'll, I'll mention little things about it, but still we want to focus on other things because I think that you need a break as well to relax with something else. So first of all, we have in the news or in the news platform from KU leuven that the ERC advanced grants have been already awarded to two K-Leuven researchers. So, these are grants that are actually awarded for groundbreaking research. And the 2K Leuvens that were among this year's recipients were the engineer Bardemore and the philosopher Jan Opsomer. So Bardemore received uh, one of these scholarships, well, advanced grants, to do some research on how users can be certain about using the best models for class of models for generating results and to reproduce models all the time in artificial intelligence. It's something really geeky, but it's something amazing. Perhaps Philip will talk about it in a further, in a further show. And the other one is for Jab of Summer that is studying a little bit the approach in the criticism that Plato's, well, yeah, a criticism of Plato's most important student, Aristotle's. So it's basically a discussion on the ideas between the Platonist and the Aristotelist. So so it's very interesting and of course they'll have a lot of fun doing those researches. Secondly, we have an open letter from the director Luke Sells for the parents of the k students. So it's basically he wants to thank everyone for their understanding in these difficult times and as well explaining how people should have courage, should have patience, and that this situation will be better. That he doesn't really want to stop university at all because he has he knows that we all have important plans and we have like our timetable that is very important to respect. And he's acknowledging that the university is facing some issues right now in times and all that, but that it has managed to adapt quite easily to the new online starting version. And finally, we have that researchers have discovered a security flaw that would enable hackers to copy millions of car keys. I, I, I always thought that to hack kind of a car key was really hard. But now they are saying that actually there are like so so stupid like little flaws in car models produced by toyota kia and hyundai that tend to use kind of weak cryptographic keys and well that's all the news that we have so far for what is going on in leuven and if you are interested don't forget just to look for the news update in K leuven and each of the faculty will as well be giving more news and yeah, and keep you up to date of what is going on with the coronavirus and the studies. I think that we are ready for our second song. This song is Everybody's Rocking Bad Me by Bobby Lord.
5: Pardon my intrusion, mister. Excuse me if I seem bold. But there's something I want to say about Shake, Rattle and roll. Well, everybody's you Everybody's rockin', everybody's rockin', everybody's rockin' but me Well, I don't rock like crazy, I'm just a country man I don't have no blues, weight shoes, but they're steppin' on my broke hands Well, everybody's rockin', everybody's rockin', everybody's rocking everybody's, rockin', everybody's rockin' but me Everybody's rocking, everybody's rocking, everybody's rocking, everybody's rocking but me Well I don't rock like crazy, I'm just a country man I don't have no blues, suede shoes, but they're stepping on my no Everybody's rocking, everybody's rocking
1: me okay, so we're back. Let's go right to the core issue of today, which is etymology, which of course, it's something very specific and quite a bit old school, but nonetheless, I think it it could still serve a purpose in our everyday life especially during our um, interaction with others and when we're approaching the study of another language. And I think that Nicholas can agree uh, with me on that, right?
3: Yeah, I totally agree with it because it's something that we see every day. And of course, you will go further with this, but it's a little bit of what the denotation and connotation of things is.
1: Yeah, so um, what's, what's etymology? Let's start with a, a, a clear definition. Um, It's the discipline that goes back to the origin of words um, in order to deeply understand the meaning of them. And from this definition, we can clearly see its utility. If uh, If someone knows truly the meaning of a word, he can use it properly and to the fullest. And of course, this fascination and interest for etymology and um, the words that dates back to uh, ancient times, goes hand in hand with uh, some Latin sayings, such as Nome Nomen omen or nomina sunt rerum People in uh, ancient Rome and in the medieval times as well believed in the existence of a deep connection between words and reality. So, Nomen omen, which is um, dubious, which has a dubious origin, but is for sure found in Plautus, means that the name of something is a symbol for something else in the reality. So, a name has the possibility to evoke a reality, to predict it, and in some way to create it. A name, a destiny, it is uh, translated in English, Nomen omen. So if someone for example is called faith she will be for course, of course godly girl a godly girl according to this saying the name creates a reality so words create reality on the other hand nomina sunt consequensialerum means that um, names are given according to reality So the saying, which literally means names are consequential to things, is attributed uh, to Justinianus and uh, views words as signs that fixate reality, that put a a label to reality. Um, Of course, why do we feel the need to put a label to reality uh, as humans? Because, because of course, to generalize, means to simplify so we need to generalize to simplify our reality uh, to make it more understandable so for example it is only by by facility that we call all those those objects with four legs and place where to sit and we call them chairs it is only by facility even though they might come in different shapes and colors and we do that to simplify the understanding of the chair in our hands so in our head so we we make a name for them so names simplify reality and put order to the chaos of all things so first come the things in this saying and according to the saying and then comes the names the words so if i have a baby for example, and that baby is born at first light. I will call her, call her Lucia, like me, and that's what this name means, born during the first hours of the day, that's the meaning of this name. Um, well, that that was not what brought my parents to call me this way, but in the ancient world and in medieval times as well, a steel. Um it was a common practice to call a baby according to um, the um surroundings and the the moment of the of the of the day in which he or she was born, for example. So reality, gives you a name, puts you a name. So these two sayings are easily associated and used as synonyms for one another. But as we can see, um, the mental process uh, for these sayings is different. It's kind of the opposite. On one hand, we got the name that creates the reality, and on the other the reality that creates the name. Just like the debate of the chicken and the egg. So who came first? We came first. Um, Nicholas, what do you think? Are you more a nomenomen person or a nomin assunt rerum person?
3: For, for a moment I thought that you were gonna ask me what came first, the chicken or the egg, and then I was like, okay, that, that, that'll be even a harder question, well, I don't know which one is harder, the hardest, to be honest. <laughs> yeah it's pretty difficult i don't know the the
1: i don't i don't i don't think that there's a correct answer to this question i don't know well, honestly it's all philosophical right. thoughts and i think interesting it's very interesting to to ask ourselves this kind of question so what do you think what do you think?
3: <laughs> well, regarding the chicken and the egg, I'll say the egg, but that's further, f- well, for further discussion. Not it doesn't go with this show. <laughs> and well, more like focusing on your question, I apologize for my pronunciation, but I'll say nomina sunt consequencia. Okay, so I'll go with that one with the idea that first, the things come and then the names, the words. So basically, that first you have the reality, and then you have the words. So as you're saying, Names simplify the reality and put order to the chaos of things. And we must consider then why do words exist? What is the purpose of words? So we know that at a certain point in history there was a need for communication beyond sounds. Behaviors and and well you would do a lot of noises to make to make someone else understand you, but that was not enough. So life, or its synonym, as I would say it art has been given generation after generation through the art of communication. First oral, then written, but there is like one common factor in all of these terms of communication and it's the words. So even though in every generation, these words evoke a tale an image to our our reality that once was, but is not anymore, it reaches out to something believed or seen at first, I'd say, something that is kind of pre-existent. So, well, the way I see it is that there was once a reality and there is a need to make it tangible, tangible as knowledge and that's where words appear, they are the magic of existence and you take an idea, you name it and you sell it, that's, that's even the way the world works and in business and all of that, you take the idea, you name it, you sell it. But of course, there is a problem in the formulation of both positions, as I see it, because you have to start with a definition. And it's the definition or concept of reality. If you describe reality under a materialistic point of view, a word evokes matter. That, that's kind of the definition and from a materialistic point of view. And let's say that you are in the bushes, cold at night. No towns are close to you you think of fire, fire at that place in that specific moment. From a materialistic point of view, the word itself is no reality because there is no tangible fire at that exact place in that precise moment. It makes reference to a concept, which is not yet real from this perspective. But as soon as you make the fire, the loose, meaningless concept becomes real, becomes a reality, and then we can talk about words creating reality, of course. <laughs> but, however, I don't support materialism, I am an idealist. And because otherwise, terms as love, passion, fear would be nothing, and humanity turns kind of empty. So, our knowledge and creativity would be dead if we were kind of in a materialistic world. So going back to my position, under now an argumentative idealistic perspective, an idea appears. And as soon as that idea is conceived as an image in one's mind, it becomes a reality. It exists. But how can you go out to the world and yell your idea or put it down in text? The communication and an understanding of an idea are through the words. If words created reality, fire would have never existed as it is impossible to have the word to describe it before actually having discovered it or seen it or conceived it in one's mind in simpler words i believe that reality precedes human existence and human existence precedes words
1: yeah i see i definitely see your point um Honestly, it's, it's really hard because um, when I was uh, reflecting on this topic, um, one minute I was, okay, I'm an omen-omen person, so I think, no, uh, first the, um, the words and then the, the reality, because I'm kind of an idealistic person as well. <laughs> but then I just... Uh, mm, kind of I don't know uh, a little debate inside my head, and I was like, no, but um, of course names come to simplify the reality and to 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 put a label to it and an order so of course um, before there's um and you uh, you have the concept and in you have the reality and these two things are are different, and uh, you have to um I don't know. Uh, of course, when you say fire, you don't have the material fire, but I, I think it comes next. I don't know. It's, it's like I, I like to think. What I like to think is that when you have something in your mind, is already there. When it's um, in potencia, it's already uh, in. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I, say it in in action. It's already uh, something that it's um, becoming. I don't know it's like a, a process so when you when you think it and when you think it with words you create it but of course we, we could talk about this uh, <laughs> hours i think yeah. so i guess i can say i'm finally i honestly find myself closer and i want to think my, to um to regard myself as an idealistic person so uh, i would go for the Nomenomen, omen uh, uh, honestly, but um and also because I think that this saying is underlying the word's power of creating the reality when it comes to literature as well. Because um I, of course, I'm thinking about literature and how it can build up words of words. Uh, sorry for the, the the player words, pun non-intended. And like I said last time I was here, um, I strongly rely on literature's force and uh, unique power to make you believe things and even do things, persuading you with their words. And weeks ago, we saw the case of Palio and Francesca in Dante's Inferno five, Um, And the book uh, they they were reading led them to do what they did with the powers of words. So in that case specifically, it is pretty clear that words are not mere association of casual letters, but can predict what will happen. They have this, uh, it's like a prophecy. They can picture reality and can persuade, um, and they have a terrific power. To create new words, words and realities, so they have this kind of power. Um either way even though uh, these two uh, these two um, sayings we were analyzing are a little bit different in meaning either way they are explicit instances of the the deep interest and focus that the romans put into names and into words so and we can cite for for instance in the late antiquity saint isidore of sevilla sevilla is it right <laughs> um, who wrote a whole encyclopedia called etymologie um, so etymology and the research on words has been something um, as um, uh, interested men um, uh, from uh, the Roman times and medieval times as well. from uh, Of course, uh, uh, classical times, then late antiquity in that medieval times. So it's, it's something that has been in our in, uh, in head for a very long time so um, think about how the words are power they are vehicle of emotions of facts of persuasion Um, we can think about rhetoric uh, as an art of persuasion so it is vital to really have this insight into the true meaning of words Because it's like having a key that could open other doors and the doors to others. Because, of course, words sprout and they are born only when interacting with others. We need them to communicate, not to, I mean, if we are alone, there's no purpose. I mean, we have to communicate, to use words to communicate and to relate to others. But um, let's stop for a a little song, and then we'll be back with the Latin sayings and etymology. So, back to the country tracks. Uh, here's "Move It On Over" by another woman of country, Rose Maddox.
0: I been last night about half past ten. That man of mine wouldn't let me in, so move it on over. I'm The lock on our front door and my door key won't fit no more, so get it on over. This doghouse here is mighty small But it's better than no house at all So drag it on over I on over Push it on over I move over Move over skinny dog Cause the fat dog's moving in But well, he'll come back to me On his knees But I'll be busy scratching fleas So scratch it on over I it on over Remember, pup before you whine, that side's yours and the side's mine. So get it on over, move it on over. shove it on over. it on over, move
1: over, cold dog, cause a hot dog's moving in. We're back. That was Moving On Over by Rose Maddox.
3: So before moving, well, moving forward with the next section, I wanted to ask you something that's uh, may seem a little bit hard to answer, but let's see what you think about it. So you were mentioning that words actually had sense while interacting with others. So, So I want to ask you, do you think that words would make sense if we didn't have like the social need to interact or to communicate?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's a difficult one. Hmm? But uh, I mean, um, let me think about it for a sec. Um, well, for sure, words are fundamental while relating and interacting with others. But I think some kind of concept conceptualization and uh, um, will come to our mind uh, nonetheless, even though we we would not. I don't know. Interact with others. What I mean is that when we, um, I don't know, I have to imagine a situation where someone is not interacting with others. That is so complicated to imagine that because, you know, as we we are we are just surrounded by people, and it's so so difficult for me to imagine a condition where we we would. I don't know. I think I will answer it this way um i think that and this is kind of just uh, pre-answering to a question that uh, i was going to po- uh, i was going to um question you um later <laughs> i think that we are born in a social environment so it's kind of those two things um i like Com- complementary and necessary and consequential to each other. I think that when we are we are born in a social environment because we are social animals, as Aristotle used to say. Um, so it's kind of necessary to have the words. So it's it's so it's like um, it's ah um, absurd for me to imagine uh, the non existence of words. Or the the non-existence of one of the two because the two i think come together and this is uh, something that comes with the man comes with the our our um, the our um, existential logic because we come into the world we come into the world and we do not come alone in the world because we 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 don't, don't um, we are not born in eggs or something like this we come we can't, and even though we were born, even though we were born, if we were born in eggs, we would have not be alone, you know what I mean, we, we have to, the, the, the communication and the community, it's something so, so, I don't know, into us, and, uh, um, our existential logic, it's just like, uh, it's something that, you know what I mean? It's hard to say. It's hard to explain. But I think it's something very, very typically, typically for us, typical for us humans to be born in a, in a relation with someone, which is of course our mother, and then our father. Because even though we could, I don't know, uh, I'm an orphan. Okay, let's just uh, imagine that I'm an orphan. But of course, I have this this relation with my. My 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 parents. Okay, okay. I'm I'm born in that relation, and I I think I'm putting it a more uh, a little bit more philosophical. I don't know, uh, but I think that this is something that is really um, it's typical of us humans to be born in an environment that is full of of relations and so yeah, so full of relations. That it's, it's, very, it's very difficult for a mind like mine or I think for any mind to imagine a world without words, without interaction in, uh, interactions and so without, without words. I don't know, I view it that way because I, I really think it's, it's in us, it's like uh, something we're born with because we're born in a relation and relation means words and using words, I don't know. This is what I, I believe. This is what I've come up with in this, <laughs> I don't know, during this
2: uh, reflection. I don't know.
3: Well, but, but that's a that's a very good answer. I mean, according to what you said, and as well, I believe it's beyond discussing if it's either nomina sunt consequencia or nominomen. I would say that words are reality. And reality is words. So you, it's really hard to picture it in a separate way. You need words in reality. It's like it's, it's impossible to figure out how not to use words. If you are if you want to have like an interpretation of something, you need words. Even if you talk to yourself, you're using words. So, so it's really necessary, as you said. <laughs> and well, I, I think I will have kind of nightmares today now that, that you put in my mind the idea of what if we were born in X?
1: Sorry for it, I don't know, and then I I don't know, I will have nightmares as well because I said, imagine if I were a, an orphan. No, <laughs> why? <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you think too much, when you think too much, you, you <laughs> that's what happens. Do not overthink, guys, do not overthink.
3: Exactly. Well, now, now I'll, let you, I'll let you move forward with the topic for today. I think that now, now we, have, we have, we will keep thinking a bit more with what is coming, so go ahead
1: so um so then uh, how etymology can help us in our daily interaction with others so we we get to we get practical right now um so first of all we have to start from the very bottom and analyze the word munus which is a very interesting latin word uh, and I, I cannot find the perfect correspondent in Italian or in English um, that maintains all the original shades of, this, of the word, because it means, in fact, both duty and gift. And these two words are not even similar. I mean, how can a gift become a duty? How something that has been offered becomes something that requires responsibility as well? Well, um, Roman society was based on the principle of da ut des. So I give you something for you to give me something back. So of course a gift implied something in return. And it's a all different perspective, from, from, for example, from what we have in Christianity, where God gives his only child to death to save us without wanting something in return and forgives us without any price. Um, but back in Roman times, people were a lot more practical. So I bring to the altar an animal to sacrifice and God in return asks to stop the pestilence. So I give to him and he gives me something back. So the dynamic of the gift was far away from being the one of something that we give in a selfless and uninterested way. And this ambiguous meaning is testified also in the ancient Indo-European uh, root of um, M-A-M-U, which we find in this word, monus, and meant exchange. So let's see now how monus and its dual nature and uh, meaning is preserved today in some words. Of course, I've chosen some English words that derive from Latin. English, like, uh, like German and Dutch, uh, come from Germanic not from lading, they're not neo lading languages such as Spanish, French, Italian, whatever, but still some English words come from lading because yeah it was very influential. Of course I've chosen that. The first word is munificence which means generosity and liberality and it comes from munus plus the verb faccio which is uh, I do someone a favor a favor which, back in times, meant, of course, wanting something back. So, right now, the word does not imply that something in return will be given. Actually, the more something give, someone gives without expecting something else back, the more he is considered selfless and munificent. munificent sorry. Immunity, which is a word that we are hearing these days, but I'm not going to talk about that, I'm gonna give you a break, not talk about COVID-19. Immunity under other hand, means free from the munus. For the prefix I am, um, sorry, I am <laughs> Im means no in this case and has a negative sense. So who is immune is then free from a burden, from charges of any kind, who's immune to a disease is free from the possibility of falling ill given the double, double meaning of munus it's no surprise that being the pride of it could both be negative or positive according to the circumstances an immunis immunis civis in latin is unproductive is an unproductive citizen so someone who doesn't participate in the economical growth of his city and therefore is regarded as selfish immunis means also free in general in in latin and here another question arise arises um is being free from the communitas which is of course another word from munus so the society which i'm being part of and to which i'm linked and tied something to be happy of or not so i'm um is the man naturally inclined to form unions, so here we go with the with the question uh, that we mentioned before: Is the man naturally um, um, yeah, inclined to to form communities, associations, and share something together, which is both a gift and both a responsibility, because it's a munus, like Aristotle used to say, when he said, "Man is um, by nature a social animal," or the man. Avoids interactions and is only forced to form unions for need, like, for example, Plautus and then Obs used to say, which is the principle of the homo homin lupus. Um, well, I will try to answer, then ask you, Nicholas, what you think. I'm more inclined to, um, I'm myself more inclined to think that we want interaction in the first place. Uh, because we need it, and if we lose one of the greatest gifts that was ever made to the man, which was love, the commitment to each other, the mutual devotion, of course, we can suffer from that. But if you think about it, a community in which everyone loves the neighbor like themselves, it's the best solution ever. So the only what, what's the problem here? The only problem is not everybody do that. Not everybody loves others like themselves in some cases because they don't even love themselves in the first place. So how in the hell uh, you love someone else? You could love someone else if you don't even love yourself but in principle if in principle everyone would do that love tra- uh, sorry <laughs> i said it in italian uh, that is love unconditionally this would be the earth would be the best place ever of course it's um, it's something that of course it's idealistically but still i believe in the human inherent need for interaction and communion so how do you see it, Nicolás?
3: Well, <laughs> that's that's a lot of content to process, of course. But but well, I'll, I'll, I would start like um, answering that specific question of my position, whether the well, whether the man is by nature a social man or if it's just a matter of needs. But I, I want to say that I see the word Monus as problematic, but positively problematic, to put it like that. Because we consider something to be a duty and a gift when doing so, uh, I don't know, it's, it's very complicated to, to understand it. But I think that in general, it, it is the sense of existence, of humanity. Because if you see it, somehow, life is a gift, but a duty. Life is problematic, it's dual. So, let's go again with the dualism of we are soul and body. So, let's say our soul is the gift. We have the gift to think, to feel. But we have a duty with our body. We have the duty to be alive, kind of, from a, <laughs> from a human perspective, not really from a social perspective. And, and again, we go again, as you were mentioning, with love. So we can see love as a joy, which would be the gift of love. But we must understand that we have our limits, our roles, our responsibility, which would be kind of the duty. So, so itself is the nature of humankind, that word munus, the duality of the word. And again, we have rights, which are gifts, responsibilities, which are duties, and their correct balance and interaction is the sense of being free. We have the freedom under the gift and the responsibilities, the gift and the duties. So, beyond the many words that take the roots from munus, I'd say that is that word has a commitment with humankind. It represents its existence. And going back again to whether the man is by nature a social animal, or if it's more a matter of needs, I would have to go That is more a matter of needs. But again, it would go for more complicated philosophical analysis, analysis of what is the self and what is the soul and all that. But I'll take it from the easy perspective, the organic perspective, per se. And I, I would relate it with the Maslow's Pyramid of Needs. So basically, even the organic needs, love is a need for the humankind based on this business approach, if you want to call it like that. So you have your organic needs. You have to eat. You have to. You must have a shelter in order to survive, and you you need social interaction to obtain these things. You cannot have a house without having someone to construct the house. Or okay, you can construct the house. It's fine. But then you need someone to supply you with the materials to build the house. But you're like, okay, I'll take it from nature. I'll chop the wood myself, and I'll bring it. Yes, but still, someone should have watered or at least to be in charge of this wood and must keep keep track of it. And okay, if you can do it, everything, you take it just straight out of nature, okay, it's fine. But then you need to eat. To eat, you need to buy food. To buy food, the food is dependent on someone who got it, who processed it, and is made in an industry, per se. But then you have the need that someone is controlling the industry. So there is a chain of a lot of social interactions all the time, all the time for every specific need that a human has. And again, I'm not seeing it from the platonic ideal, yeah, like idealization of the humankind. Like, okay, we are there, we are social animals, we feel the love because we are free. But even though we are free, we have that commitment to reality. And our organic reality is that we have needs. We need to love because we want to feel complete. It's not that we love because, because we love in the air, because the love is in the air. Yeah, it's something that is organic and we can talk it even scientifically, we need to love because our body, our hormones and our physio- physiology has, has made us to do that, has made us to love, has made us to, re- to, re- to relate with others in so many different ways. Otherwise, I think that if it's not a matter of need, if we are social by nature, we could not build civilizations itself. Because a civilization is a matter of joining all of our needs and building something for those needs. So if we're as from the beginning, we don't really have to struggle to get that interaction. If we were social by nature, we wouldn't have like issues nowadays, like different cultures fighting over stupid things. Yeah, because indeed, with, with countries, you, you think of US right now. US really wants to be isolated from the world. And why is that? Because it has its needs for its own country. If it was a social animal, well, sorry again for the social animal thing, but if it was social by nature, you wouldn't have these issues. The US would be open to form a kind of a worldwide unity, which is not the case. Because it's a matter of individualistic needs that you find someone else to supply those needs. And that's it. This is the way, the simplest way I can regard it.
1: Yeah i think uh, mm, <laughs> from from here we could also discuss the nature of love but i think we're running out of time uh then i don't know yeah if love is like hormones or i don't know it's uh i think it's uh, of course there's a uh, um physical factors that um that we have to consider even um, talking about love and thinking about, when thinking about love. But I think it's, uh, there's a lot of other, other things that we can only, I don't know, we can, we can perceive, but we can, we can see, I don't know. There's more that, that there's way more than, um, than what the eye can see. That's what, I think that's the, the phrase that, I don't know, my mantra there's, there's more behind what we can see, I think. But, um, yeah, of course, it's, um, it's a long debate. We could talk about this uh, for long, but we're running out of time. So, yeah. but back to the purpose of uh, this whole discussion, um, the etymology purpose today. So, what's it? It invi- inv- invites us to uh, consider the words. So, at communication in its true sense, means an exchange of gifts which require mutual responsibility. So why mutual? Because of course it implies and wants a comeback, a response. So there's the responsibility of the person I'm talking to and his or her responsibility to answer back. Otherwise I might as well talk to a wall and that's not even a communication because there's no exchange. On the other hand, I, as the sender of the message, I'm responsible for what I'm saying. So, and that's a great warning for those who sometimes speak before they think. And as soon as I say something, as soon as I pronounce the word, I give this burden burden to another one and accept a response and change. But I have to be careful with what I say because what I say has a power, has a power on other person on other people, so I have to, to be reminded of this. And I think with, with this, uh, we kind of underline the, um, uh, the fact that, the words, that words have power, because communication, and the words communication, if you know the meaning of the word communication, which is an exchange of gifts that require mutual responsibility, maybe you get to think before you speak. I think that's a warning, that's an invitation. And um, that's the the old purpose I think that's a little bit of an example of our etymology and the study of the words and going going um, going back uh, to what a word is used and what a word means I think it can guide us uh, in this word so that's the great teaching of etymology it can lead us and invites to consider the words and then to act different in reality because otherwise if it only stays on the paper it's no purpose but i think this as a practical practical purpose as well and uh, yeah so that's it hope you enjoyed all this debate and this uh, topic which is quite old-fashioned but um as I said, I think it has, is interested and its purpose nowadays as well.
3: Yeah, it was it was an, an amazing conversation. I think it's, it has so many concepts that of course you would have spent hours trying to define every concept and then debating each concept separately. But but I think something really nice what you've made and like to gather all of these words and meanings, it's like to, um, yeah, kind of to support a hypothesis but from a more philosophical way. So it's really nice. I really enjoyed it. And I think we are ready for the next song. So it is Diamond Ring by Jerry Wallace.
6: Well, I'm gonna buy you a diamond ring A diamond ring it on your finger Bells will chime Ring, ring, ring Little birds will sing Sing,
2: sing, sing
6: Dime, dumby, dooby, dime, dumby, dooby, Diamond ring It's gonna sparkle, it's gonna shine It's gonna make me know you're mine Nothing else will mean a thing Just you and me and that diamond ring Well, I'm gonna buy A diamond ring, a diamond ring To show you're my lover You're my own, you're my everything I buy you a diamond ring And after I bought You a diamond ring A diamond ring And there can be no other When you smile ring, ring, ring. My head goes ding Zing, zing, zing Ooh. Diamond, dumby, diamond, dumby, dumby, dumby Diamond ring Oh
1: that was diamond ring by jerry wallace thank you very much guys for joining us on this journey today don't forget to follow us on social media and thank you nicholas thank you very much for the interesting debate it was a pleasure
3: it was my pleasure to be here with you and we had like a really nice conversation many things to recover from it and well, I had a lot of fun
1: last song is um, Rain on my Parade by Mel Tillis, see you guys next Friday
2: you sure made it rain on my parade just when